All right, welcome back to Jake Breaks Hot Tapes, uh, episode 10. And we're going to teach you or talk to you about how to argue. More specifically, how to argue in a healthy manner. Now, this advice, uh, we have the link in the description to the paper we're reading off of, and it has more resources as well. But this applies to romantic relationships, plutonic relationships, uh, family, you know, your mother, your dad. Yeah, you basically use it for just about anything you want, which is uh, really good because we didn't realize that until later on. It really covers the uh, whole spectrum. Uh, The biggest one is it's probably never a good idea to hit anybody with a wooden block in the head. Regardless if they're a sibling or, you know, romantic, significant Yeah, that, that would be a good possibility. I mean, but, you know, brothers fight, you know. You know you know the saying, right? Oh, the brothers just being brothers. Yeah. Which usually equates to lots of property damage that no one wants to pay for. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's never your fault. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, this is research that was primarily done on happy married couples. And this is interesting. Just to start off, they found that happy married couples don't argue less than couples in distress, but they do argue differently. Happy couples tend to be good at problem solving in their disputes while avoiding negative and coercive exchanges, i.e. controlling behavior. Uh, oh, I-, I love how we always talk about controlling behavior. <laughs> that, that, that is one thing we definitely do have about this podcast. Is, like We are... Some of the most anti-controlling people in the world. I think it's because, unfortunately, like you with borderline personality disorder, with your significant other before that, could be very controlling and oh, it was be horrible. the center of your world. I come from very controlling people, and I think that really is that's our shared trauma. As yeah, the, uh, it really, is. the group therapist would say if we could afford one. But um, oh yeah, that was just really the introduction. The big one is oh, I like this. Research just shows, in other words, it's not arguing that's the problem. The problem is that most of us don't know how to do it right. And that, I, I can agree with, because I, I don't, like, whenever I argue with my brother, I, I don't argue. I just tell him how it is, how it works, what reality is, because he doesn't work in reality, in my opinion. And then I just go overboard, and like, we're going to the boxing room, I'm going to beat the living piss out of you. Well, and completely undermining what you just said, the first one is, start with respect. I like this, though. Approach your partner or whomever you're arguing with with respect. We all have different life experiences that color what is upsetting to us and what types of arguments make us feel uncomfortable. Setting boundaries, like agreeing to avoid using toxic language, like name-calling, can be helpful in terms of having more productive arguments. So you're telling me I shouldn't approach you by dick? Probably not. (laughs) But I like this because uh, this is the big important part of this, and I, I... Center it is because it makes the exchange more likely to stay positive. It's also a way to show respect to the other person even while disagreeing with them. Be flexible. Recognize that it's hard to be a perfect communicator when you get emotional. That's so, true, and that's something you've talked about before is that taking the emotion out of the argument and taking emotion out of really almost any situation that there is. And you guys, and people will come to a much better, much more concise conclusion. Yeah, but these are definitely things to remember as you do get emotionally heated, because there are going to be certain things that are going to get very emotional for both parties. And it's just these are things that you ought to keep in your mind, because we can act, both you and I, because we're detached when we're doing this, like we're perfect and nobody has ever, you know, called us something that actually really got under our skin. And we didn't immediately be like, well, bitch, you wear a wig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, there's uh, sometimes there's topics that Tabs talks to me about, 
And um, I, I try to have a conversation. I just don't understand it. But I still respect her enough to have that conversation and try to try to understand it. Even though it does lead to disagreements, it's just I don't understand what she has gone through on that end because I never have. That's me. And if I don't have a frame of reference, I more try to act like a, we call it in the South a listening post. Like I'll try to hear what they're saying, try to figure out what they're trying to work through, and just sometimes present the same information back to them just in a different way so maybe they can work through what they're trying to work through because no i can't really have an opinion about something that i don't understand yeah, or know exactly and i i've had to, i've had to tell her like i have no clue what you're talking about i'm i'm trying to understand but i have nothing to grasp on in any of my experiences second one come with an open mind uh, we were kind of just talking about yes, that don't judge the argument before it even started that means setting aside your ego and what you think is right and true Really listen to your partner when they come to you with a problem or a complaint. And I want to add on to that before you mm-hmm. go go on further about that. And it doesn't have to deal with an argument, but just whether or not what you want to talk with when you want to talk about your partner about something that you're nervous about talking yourself. Because what you do a lot of times, what I do at least is I have this conversation in my head. I predict how this conversation is going to go, and then it always goes negatively. Yeah. And um, that's something I think to build on that is, is do not go in with that kind of mindset. And just speak openly, no, as hard as it is. I think the biggest thing on this second one is listening, because I feel like, and I get this, when you have an opinion you hold strongly, and you believe it to be true, you're less likely to really listen to the other person and their points, because you already kind of believe, well, that's that's great at all, honey, but I'm right. And that's a terrible way to be whenever, you know, I, I like to look at it this way, with how things are right now. Relationships are a team sport. You're two people, or... Multiple people will eventually talk about. We're still getting data on that one. It's actually really interesting. But, yeah, and, and the nice thing too is it it does work with all all these different relationships you have. Parents, um, mm-hmm. wanna, like my dad. My dad still is somewhat guilty. Of this is what I say. Kind of goes, and it's true to, true to an extent. Like, all right, you got more life experience than I do, but I'm also thirty five years yeah. old. Yeah. <laughs> It, like he actually, um, I, I'll give him this point. Is um, I told him about the magic cards that I'm I'm starting to collect in the sealed product, and he doesn't really know about much of it. So I was like, you know what? I know what he he can relate to is like 401k stocks. And I told him basically, not only I'm investing in my 401k, this is another way for me to invest outside of my 401k no, and it's a as another asset. Is, 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 is an, it's an asset that will gain. And I'm like, it's still a little bit of a risk, but it's not as big of a risk as I get into something I can't control. You don't know much about stocks, but we do know a lot about magic and also the viewer base. It's something you're involved in. Yeah, and, and he understood that. He's like, I, so I was able to put it in that context mm-hmm. for him to understand it. And anecdotally, I invest my stocks in Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, <laughs> and it's been a rough ride, y'all. But uh, stocks jumped 14% yesterday, and I'm in the green again, baby. So I'm happy. But um, this is a huge one. Third, recognize underlying pain points. If you keep getting in the same fight over and over again, Alan suggests taking time to think about why. Ask yourself, what is happening for me? What is happening for the other person? Even long married couples that uh, this doctor sees are often repeating a particular fight because of past pain like from something in childhood. That doesn't mean those feelings aren't valid or that your partner shouldn't try to avoid something that triggers that pain for you. But recognizing when the fight isn't really about what your partner is doing can make these conflicts less emotionally fraught, which in turn makes you more likely 
to reach a resolution. I think this is a huge one. Oh, God, yeah. Because, um, oh, shoot, I had a train of thought that I just lost. But you had, <laughs> you... Yeah, but no, no, I, with this letter... Underlying, the underlying pain points, yeah, it definitely comes from previous trauma or an idea you already have in your head. And um, the weird thing about that is is that you don't always recognize it, but to you it's just this is how things are. I just, I try to thought came back. A big one might be like uh, your partner not doing the dishes and you keep going over and over this and it keeps becoming a fight. And it might not be that your partner doesn't want to not do the dishes, but that's a common symptom of things like depression or other emotional issues. That these are little things that may, though they seem innocuous, be indicators of larger problems for that person. Yeah. And recognizing and being respectful of that can go a long way, but also can help you in knowing if you know your partner is likely towards depression and you see that the dishes aren't being done, instead of immediately jumping to, oh, this person's lazy again. This would be a great time for a mental health check. And uh, to add on, add on that, because I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to use tabs as an um, example here, because one most recent and most knowledgeable example I can give is um, she goes through these phases where she'll go for a month or two and she's on top of everything. And then she'll start, I will basically call it the lazy phase, but it's more like the depression phase. And then I do start picking up, oh, the dishes aren't done. Oh, this didn't get done. This didn't get done. Why is my table is a mess? And I've always had the understanding is, is how your how your vehicles look or how the place you're staying it how it looks is a representation of your mind. And then that's why I've always tried to approach it going, okay, it's not exactly laziness, but it could be in that category or it could be a symptom of what else is going on. And then that's when I have try to have that conversation with her, like, yeah, what's going on? You're doing great. Is it, are you going down this road again? And help identify things that might be facilitating that. Because yeah. and I will she, say this. she'll get defensive and mm-hmm. get a little angry with me, but like, but it's not because I'm calling her out. I'm just no, pointing out give it what the time what that's is. Less, because my mom does the same thing with me when she notices shifts in behavioral patterns and things like that. And it's really important to have someone like that in your life that can do that because it's very difficult to notice little things when you're inside you. And to you, you're normal. It's fine. It's like, I'll just say this with like Tabitha. I could tell that the changes she's been making seem to really be helping because she was a lot more interactive and seemed a lot more engaged in just a little bit that I talked to her today. So I'm really happy for her. Oh, this this is uh, a big one. I don't think the red pillars are going to like this, but um, share your feelings. That means you don't cry still. (laughs) In other words, don't just say, oh, this is funny. You didn't clean up the dishes. Instead, begin with what you're feeling. For example, try sharing, seeing dirty dishes in the sink makes me feel like you don't care. I do like this because it's showing it's not, this is what's really the problem for me. It's not that, it's this. Keep the facts as objective as possible and follow that up with what you need or how you would like the other person to resolve the problem. Try, it would make me feel a lot better if you put the dishes in the dishwasher before bed. Instead of, you dumb bitch, I can't believe Yeah, you this. just hit her with a broomstick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, Go and kneel on the rice. You should know better. Oh, God. I'm oh, sorry, Andrew Tate came out of me. Yeah. Oh, God. But no, 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 no it's, it's right. It's like, it doesn't have to be this giant emotional thing. It, it's just a very simple thing of, of, of like, hey, well, you, and, uh, can, you at least, can you please do this? What I like about this is you're giving the reason why this is a problem to you. And you're offering a solution gently. You're not telling the person. 
This also is much better than controlling behavior because you and I both know this. People that are trying to gaslight you or control you are very vague. They, they make their emotion known of I'm upset or I'm mad or whatever. But, but they, they never not- tell you. Exactly. Because you're supposed to know. You read minds, obviously. If you yeah. really cared about me, you would know why I'm upset. Whereas now, this, my, my only thing, the only place where this gets aggravating, I, I like using dishes because I hate doing dishes. I hate it's it with weird, such a passion. I, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know if it's just a man thing or the fact that I wear a I'm a laundry guy. Or, I'll do laundry, but so dishes, I. yeah. But um, I tell you what, three years of doing dishes at Chipotle, I'm, I'm good. I, I, the way I see it, I put my time Would in. you say that's a pain point for you? It might the, be. The Chipotle, the three years of Chipotle. Yeah, you know, just two hours every night, just scrubbing every dish in the... No, I'm good. You start going back and you start hearing Charlie's in the trees and helicopter noises. Fortunate son starts playing and you're just back oh, in God, the yeah. trenches of Chipotle. Granada! <laughs> Don't oh. you bring that chicken back here unless I'm eating it. Um, but yeah, no, but with that, it's just... The only thing... That, Makes it, I think, falling out of ice is uh, hard is if it's a consistent thing where you gotta do it consistently. Just what happens yeah. is that patient starts to disappear and erode away. I do think that goes back to kind of recognizing not only pain points but the feelings and realizing that because you're right, it, it's one thing if they're just being lazy for that day or didn't want to do it. It's just, that's like cool. Taz will call me, she tells me, like, hey, I did this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, that's great. She's like, look, I just didn't do this. And, like, and she, what part she asked me if that's okay. I'm, I'm like, it's, it's fine. You're doing enough as it is. I mean, there's other things we do need to get done. I would like to get done, i.e. this room. <laughs> but um, it, it, it just... I, I try to be really understanding about that because I'm just as crappy with chores and stuff. But it's still that we got to hold ourselves accountable on getting these things done. No, and that guys, I, I think that's really the point of number four, too, is there are ways that you can hold each other accountable that are respectful and emotionally sensitive to that person while still being firm enough like this. You said you were going to do it. Come on. I know that, you know, yesterday you did a lot of other stuff and it was bad, but we're going to do this. I don't want to do this, yeah. but I'm going to go do this. And they're like, I don't even mind. Like, I don't mind helping out, pitching in wherever. And I'm, I'll use last week as an example. I forgot to do the litter box. Mm-hmm. And I'm over there cooking dinner or something. She says, oh, don't worry about it. I got it. And she hates the litter box. She, If she can avoid that litter box... Uh, not 110 percent of the time she will, and uh, but because I was just she, it was just helping out, just like oh, I can take care of this. Why, since you're doing that, I'd like this next one is coming up. Practice active listening. That's hard. The yes, the American Psychological Association defines active listening as a psychotherapeutic technique during which the therapist listens to a client closely, asking questions as needed in order to fully understand the content of the message and the depth of the client's emotion. Thurstrup says this technique can help during arguments with a partner, friend, or family member because it forces you to focus on what the other person is saying and where they're coming from, whether than focus, or rather than focus on a defense you might mount. Do it by listening closely to the other person even restating what they're saying in some cases. Ask questions and get clarification. Try to slow down and not offer your rebuttals right away. Practicing mindfulness can help train your brain to do this better because you're teaching yourself to focus on the moment or the task at hand. 
I tell you what, that is one thing I've I've struggled with. I think you might have struggled yeah. with, and um, and I've on here I've claimed enough times where I claim biology, and to a point I think it's true of the biology and the chemistry makeup. Because if you do look at my biological family, it's if there's a well, short there's a, thing, if there's a yeah if there's a such thing as a short fuse, cut it down to nothing. Uh-huh. And it's, that's, that's how explosive I used to get. Well, and I'll tell you this. On the act of listening, I've gotten much better at this over the last couple of years because I realized something. The reason why in arguments, because I was bad about trying to mount my next offense, is because I was attributing a lot of my self-worth to being right. Not thinking whether it was right what I was doing or even that I could be wrong in this context and right in something else. So for me, I always took arguments like this as an attack on my identity, which is something that I needed to see and I needed to owe up to. And it has been far more pleasant realizing that this little thing we're disagreeing over or whatever is in no way a reflection of, A, the relationship between the person I'm arguing with and me, two, my self-worth or their self-worth, or really anything else. This is two people looking at a problem from two different angles trying to reach a solution. And that doesn't mean, well, that's the big thing. It's really arguing is cooperative. I'm trying to explain to you what either your actions are doing to me and, and cause me an issue or a problem that I can't see the solution to that I, I'm looking for input and need some help. And if you look at it cooperatively, which is very hard when you're in it, I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah, you're you're in that needed. moment and being able to... I don't want to use withdraw yourself from that moment because that means you're taking yourself out of the what? moment. But being able to take that step back mentally and look at it objectively, and, I, and that's such a hard thing for people to, uh, I think, to do because everyone in today's world and even before our times were emotionally charged. I mean, if you look back in the, like the '60s and '70s, and, look, and I'm, I'm going to use the mob, the whole mob thing, because since we have some familiarities with it, the mob, the whole mob thing was you controlled your woman. And you rule, and you ran your house. That, that was some of the big factors. And you ran other people's houses that were bigger or smaller than you as well. Yes. <laughs> so that that was that's one thing is that it's just, but it was very emo- on those ends. It was emotionally ran because that's how it was supposed to be, and not just because oh we're gonna oh I sat down and had a conversation with my wife last night and we came to this great understanding. No. I smacked that bitch, and now she listens. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, then people wonder why so many men were poisoned back in the day. Yeah, exactly. going, you hit me that many times, I'm crushing up Advil in your coffee, too. <laughs> but, no, Tom, I, I really like the point you made about stepping back. And that's really what the act of listening is. It's being engaged enough that you can drop what you're thinking to really listen to what they're saying. And it also helps to slow things down, because you and I both know this. We can Anger go- builds... And if you and me start yelling at each other, if we don't slow down the pace of the conversation... We'll be arguing. We'll be screaming at each other with something that doesn't mean anything. We'll be going, green, yellow, green, yellow. Fuck you and your mother and everything you've ever done. You're just a goddamn Jew. What the fuck's wrong? Exactly. Seriously. So by taking the time to really listen to your partner, it calms you down a little bit because you got to start working through. Just be like, take a deep breath. I think that's another thing, a personal antecedent, and it might be on this list, but I, I haven't seen it. Is oh yeah number seven we'll get to it, but uh, oh this is a good one six remember you're on the same team, 
if you're having the argument with the other person in the first place, as opposed to ignoring the problem, oh, yeah, it's why you're having the argument with the other person in the first place as opposed to ignoring the problem, going back to it. It's cooperative. So it, don't assume bad intentions. I, and I think this is, that's a big thing with arguments. A lot of people do see that as they are bad intention. They are, you're going to fight to win a war. And talking about pain points, I think it's really bad relationships you had. Because I know for me... And yeah, that can go all the way back to a lot of childhood. Like yeah, my mom good... and my dad's relationship was incredibly antagonistic. She called it walking on eggshells. And it really was. You never knew what you were going to say to the man that next thing you know, he's locked himself in a room for weeks at a time, goes to work, goes to that room, locks himself away. So, you know, it was um, very difficult for me as I grew up to realize, one, that's not normal, and two, that that's not a healthy way to be. No, no, not at all. And, like, for me, the way I kind of grew up is with my gram and my pap here, now, mind you, I've been around a lot of different places. A lot of it was a lot of the same. My grand and my pap, 4.15 on the dot every day. Like clockwork. I guarantee, you could, literally, you could. And it, it wouldn't be, be quiet in the house, nothing's going on. One person would say something smart, the other person says, fuck you, says something smart back. Before you know it, by 4.45, it is a full-out streaming match of fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then something gets thrown, and then... Everything's everything was kosher. Now, get to my dad. Probably not a good coping mechanism, but I guess yeah. it worked for him. Maybe. Apparently. Yeah. But uh, now, get to my dad. And, and um, when he would argue with someone, my dad's a loud, boisterous kind of person. So, of course, you know, in a relationship that, granted, most of it was warranted with my adopted mother. Now, jumping to them, to my adopted mother and that whole side of the family, I, I know I'm going on a bit of oh, a no, spree here. They solved their issues, again, screaming at each other. My great-gram would get pissed off at my Uncle Joe, and it would be for some, some, some dumb shit. She would throw coffee trays at him. Mm-hmm. Not the, not the um, ceramic ones, no. These are glass coffee trays. Well, no, and it's funny because... But every household I was ever in, every argument was screaming, yelling, throwing. It was just a, a circumference of violence. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of sucks, which... which Made it harder for me to kind of like, oh, this is how you take care of your issues. Well, this is how you take care of a problem is you get violent. A funny antidote to that is my grandparents. When they, they got married young, before they had children, both of them were physical people. They beat the shit out of each other. My great or my grandmother came from French trappers down in Louisiana, and she could take a hit. And not only she could take a hit, she broke that man's nose multiple times. <laughs> but when they started having children, they realized... This is not an effective way to communicate. So they got a book about the art of arguing, and it's much of these same tips. And from that point on, they never had another physical altercation because they learned to be respectful of each other, set boundaries, learn when you're getting too heated, and they just call it. Yeah, and now I want to go on about that too, because um, because a lot of this is like all we're going through is, is a lot of kumbayas kind of stuff, mm. and which is great, but. What if you do have those boundaries? I want to ask you that question. How do you enforce the boundaries that you are definitely not going to move on? And I think that's one, communication, and two. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hit seven because this is a good one. Hit pause if things get too heated. Don't be afraid to hit the pause button and revisit the conflict at a later time. Maybe you always get into a fight in the morning as you're rushing out the door, for example. 
10 minutes before bedtime may also be a bad time to try to work out a conflict. That's because you're already tired. Yep. Agree to set a time. This is what my grandma and grandpa did. That's going to work for both of you and talk through the conflict. Then, he suggests. This goes back to being respectful of each other. Because, and I get it, there's going to be times you're going to get heated. You're going to want to pull a Richard Pryor and pull out a gun and shoot an engine block and just, <laughs> you know, maybe it's just me. I get it. I'm not going to lie that I don't get hot, especially about things I care about. But it's about loving the other person enough to realize, okay, no, that we, we, I don't want to say something or do something that is going to actually hurt you. So it's time. Let's take a break. Let's cool off here. I'm going to take a walk, and you take a walk. That's something me and Taz are, uh, that's one of the points me and Taz are working on, because mm-hmm. we will, we, we will get our, let ourselves get heated, and um, the worst part is uh, we do, she tries to do it, to have these conversations at the worst times, i.e. before bed. Yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. it's the worst, or late at night, by that time, I'm already tired, I think the worst. I'm more than irritable, if, it, if it's a serious conversation, I'm going, all I want to do is go to bed, and... We'll deal with it tomorrow. I think the worst advice they give is don't go to bed angry because I don't go to bed angry. I go to bed tired, and if conflict is unresolved, I'm going to be much more pleasant dealing with it if I'm well-rested. Yeah, I, I think that's because like, cause you're already worn down for the day. Mm-hmm. You're exhausted. If you deal with the stuff in the morning or later on after you get some rest, you have, you're, a bit more, you're a lot more cognitive of what's going on around well, you, and you're able to spend that extra energy to take that step back or to have an actual resolution or have that a real conversation about it. Yeah, because I know for me, I'm like a small child in this. The tighter I get, the more emotional I get. And things that if you hit me in the middle of the day when I'm good, that it wouldn't even be an argument. Even if you're criticizing stuff that I do, I'll try to take responsibility. We're going to work this out. This is a problem that we can work out together. If you hit me with that, you know, when I'm ready to go to bed, I'm going to be kicking and screaming and whining like a child because I just want to go to bed and you hit me with this bullshit and you're in it. Quit being a man, child. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh. well, you yeah, know, it, it just it, it just amazes me because she likes to, I don't know why it is, It's I don't know if it's this last thing before we're going to bed, I want to get off my chest. It could be something from her previous relationship too. Maybe it was easier for her to hit him yeah. whenever he's asleep or whatever. It, it might have been in... And like even with um, Sierra, I had the same thing. It was always late at night. It's like, why do you want to do this? Is it, is it is it just because I'm at more of a disadvantage? It says I'm just tired. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna be like, yeah, yeah, sure, you're right, whatever. I'm yeah. done. And she's I'm, I'm going coked to up on moon sugar and everything yeah. else. And yeah, but um, I, I like this next. Uh, we were on well, number eight. Yeah. Which resolution? Oh yeah. So. I- I, I do like that, but uh, you're right. Being able to take that step away is very, very important. Yeah, because especially on the stuff that really matters to you, like, you know, I, I say raising children's got to be a hot one. I don't have a frame of reference, but I'm sure that's it took two of you to produce it. You're pretty vested in it. I would think that you could get really hot really quick, and that's probably one that... And um, I, I tell you what, me and Taz actually talk about how we want to raise our ch- kids. Well, you should, because and that's I, I love it because discover. Well, this is what I really like about it, is that we are discovering this stuff ahead of time, what our styles are, and where we can work together on, and where we're going to be more individualized with the child mm-hmm. uh, down the road, because she's more, already more than a caring, consoling kind of parent, and as what she envisions, and I'm more the stern, you know, what, brush it off, you're fine, it's funny, and, the men in my family are the caring ones because my grandmother whipped people with fucking um, copper cable, insulated copper cable. 
Yeah, you knew you got hit with that. Yeah, but um, but I want to. I don't know because she has this whole. Uh, she has this idea of the old school. Uh, to teach you like as a woman, be the caring person, the mother, the real mothery figure, whereas the father is that strong man leads by example. And um, that's one thing I've always wanted to do. And whenever I had a kid, I just being the wait till now. I now have better ideas on how to implement that without it being something that's harmful or performative. Yeah, exactly. No, and it, the great thing about it is, um, not to, I'm going to oh, interrupt no. you um, because, like, if I have a kid and they get into baseball and it's just baseball is an easy one, and they're not that good at it, I'm not going to sit there and go, "Well, you suck." I'm going to go, "Well, you suck, but you need to practice." Let's go outside together and let's practice. And that goes back to number three, or not? What was it? Number three? No, four. Share your feelings. Show them. Illustrate the problem they're having. Offer a solution. In this case, you're bad at baseball. Solution: Come on, let's practice. Now you get to share some time, build a bond. And what's great about it is, despite a lot of the criticism that you know the, the traditional kind of 1950s-esque family gets. At least with you and Tabitha, you've discussed it before it ever happens. The roles and what's expected of both of you from each other is very clearly outlined. So that will reduce a lot of future conflict oh, on stuff definitely. like this. I'm not going to say, you know there's going to be arguments because you can sit there in your head all day long and come up with a scenario, uh, but and, it will help reduce a lot of the superficial ones. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, is, uh, my dad used to, te- used to coach baseball, so I was always on his team. And... Um, of course, you know, he, I always got pushed hard on it. Not like, oh, you're going to play baseball, that's all you're going to do. It was just pushed hard to get better. And at the time, I didn't understand that because I liked baseball, but I was like full-blown committed to it. And um, there's times, yeah, he pushed me too hard, but he knew I could get better. And knowing that, knowing that now, whenever I go to have a kid, I think I'm going to have a better idea where that line is. Of how hard to push and where not to push past. That's and yeah. I and I think my dad gave me a really a good baseline to follow because I remember my feelings as a kid when he pushed me real hard because he knew I could do it. It was just getting me past that point. And now I know I can if I have a kid and I can get him up to that point. But I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try and be like look if you if you keep doing this you might be able to do it and give him that little boost just not in a uh, negative way as I. I took it upon myself negatively whenever I knew he was just trying to push me to do the best that I could. Right. He, he expected it because he knew he could do it, but you took it as... I took it personally. It, yeah, exactly. If you didn't live up to that immediately, being hypercritical of yourself. Yeah. As far as almost feeling like you failed him because, he, well, if he knows that I could do it, I'm not doing it right now. And I will say this for most parents. I think that's what made me nervous a lot of times, playing sports or... A lot of times, and uh, even getting in my head about things, like even with skateboarding, is I know I can do it, and I don't do it, and, I, and it, it it just it does get inside my head, and it is just I am I do get hypercritical for no reason, no. and I, I even noticed that whenever I was I just with jobs and stuff. I've noticed that with myself on that I've got to the point because I used to be hypercritical on everything. Now it's just things I care about because things I don't care about, like if I got to get a, a certificate on this job that I'm on. It's not really what I'm going to do forever, so I just I go, I take the little test. Usually I do fine, and it never bothers me. But on stuff that I really want to do, like this chemistry and other things, I start getting really putting more on myself than I need to just because 
it matters to me. Yeah, I, I know we're going to get moving on yeah. on the next point we here. Got, minute, but, we always have two left. This yeah, is but really I'm, I'm, I, but yeah, I didn't think I, I'm actually just coming down to that conclusion. It, it was really just, as you know, podcast is therapy. I, I, I am really now. I'm starting to really understand that. Being just talking about it is just okay. It was more so it was a me thing. So now I'm like, you know what? I'm now I'm thinking I can actually now I can use that as a way as a way to teach the kid. Because if, if I have a boy, it's nine times there's a really high chance they're going to get ADHD. Hmm. So I already know that if they're if they're a girl, fifty fifty shot. Number eight here, reach a resolution. Just because a conflict becomes heated or challenging, don't give up on it. It's all right to take a break if you need a timeout or if you don't have time to solve the issue at the moment it comes up. Don't play Dark Souls. Don't abandon it entirely or it will come up again. This is, is, once again, it goes back to healthy communication methods. It's also being comfortable enough to know that whenever your partner says, hey, look, I really, I got to go to work or whatever. It's not that I'm blowing you off. It's just I got other things that I have to do. We'll talk about this later. Being in a comfortable enough relationship that you really do talk about it later. Yeah. And if you're the one avoiding it and you keep making excuses, you need to look at why you're doing that in yourself because that's probably not on your partner. That's probably some experience you've had that you either subconsciously are avoiding it because it reminds you of it or you could know why and you just don't want to admit it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Because, um, yeah, it's... I do that with Tazlam. It's funny, it's throughout the week, we don't really talk a lot because she knows I get very engrossed with what I'm doing. And it, I, I, I want to call it OCD, but it, I, I do. I get very engrossed of what's going on around me in my truck. I uh, just, I, I don't know what it is. All these squares make a circle. All these circles make a square. Yeah, exactly. I know it, more just, about your I don't truck know than if I've ever I have, to. I don't know if I have this compulsory thing with whatever I'm doing is just go as hard as I can, as long as I can. To get it done and do what I want, and and for some odd reason it's just like every day I wake up. Oh, this is my goal, and you in the morning I can talk to you just fine. I talk to Taz. It is literally sometimes a five minute conversation. Sometimes it's ten, and I'm just like I like I'm, I'm just sitting there going, "Honey, I'm working. I I, I can't talk." Well, and it, it's weird. Well, for us, I think, and part of it's probably just with the ADHD, you trying to find something to focus in on. We pretty much just talk shop most of the time. Yeah. Things we're going to do for the next podcast. Uh, Magic. Cause I, yeah. I just, like, I'll get, I get really hooked on sometimes on one particular thing. Because mm-hmm. right now my, my infatuation is your freaking magic deck. I'm going, oh, we can create something so, so diabolical it's that great. people are not going to want to play it. But, um, yeah, no, definitely you do have to reach resolutions. And we are on number eight, right? Yes, we're, we're, okay, we're on, pretty much done. I, I, this is just kind of really the bow on top. Stay curious. Ask yourself, what is my part here? Think about what got you so upset in the first place. Why are you in this argument? What triggered you? If you can recognize what bothers you, you're more likely to find opportunities for personal growth. This is a huge one because I think a lot of people that don't want to deal with their problems, whenever something happens that does trigger them, they blame it on their partner. They will look for an action that their partner is taking to be able to point to it and go, you see, this is why I can't function, because you chew your nails next to me when we're watching TV at night, and that's why I get fired from every job for assaulting my boss, is because you chew your nails next to me. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a giant build-up of things, and, and um, 
it is really a good thing to be able to figure out what your part is and try and build from that. And uh, one thing I do I do like about it is with all these together. I mean, it sounds it's like with between me and Taz, we're actually doing a lot of these things already. And I think maybe a lot of people might be doing some of the things, just other things that they need to work on, especially the explosiveness from the anger. And it's so easy to get angry. And and, and um, I think that's one thing of our society, our society has been taught as a culture is be angry all the time. If you look at what's going on in the world, be angry, be angry. Well, and, you know, it is weird because in America especially, we have this lens of if you're depressed or you express sadness, you're weak. But if you take that same emotion but turn it towards anger and violence, then you're this big, strong person and you demand respect. And I think that's where a lot of our problems in society come from is we're perfectly fine with seeing someone angry. How many times have you been out downtown and two people are literally threatening to cut each other's heads off? And you're just like, ah, typical Tuesday. Yeah. But you see <laughs> a, a kid or somebody on the street crying. She's like, oh, no, that that really, that's, oh, that hurts yeah, me. What's their problem? Yeah, exactly. Put on the blinders and you move right past them. Because in America, we really do. Especially boys, we are conditioned to walk that shit off. Don't cry. We're not supposed to be emotional creatures. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, like, uh, we, we do have emotions. We just, unfortunately, we handle them in worse manner. Well, I think I that would think be the right, right way to yeah. put it. Very uh, destructive manners. I mean, I mean that's a big trait for men, and that's all throughout a history. Men are a very destructive force. Well, and it's because for some reason that's the way people seem to be most comfortable with us. It's like male friendships are bad in this in a lot of cases. Not you and me. We've been able to talk about a lot of stuff, but how many times have you tried to express something to your male friend that's just mildly like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of down and all that? It'd be like, ah, oh, bro, that, you just got to get over that shit. Just yeah. walk. So uh, like, like, I was, um, before we even started recording today, I, I was telling you, I was like, I didn't do shit all week. I was, I was like, I, I just been in this swamp, swamp or slump, not swamp, swamp. Don't get <laughs> But it's just I've been down all week. It's just I I couldn't been figuring it out. I've been like I know I knew it was depression. I was able to identify it. Just I'm like I'm always freaking tired this entire week. I'm like I'm tired. No matter how much sleep I'm getting, it's not improving. And I, I just like I can't put my finger on it. But like I was talking, so I was telling you, I was like I don't know what the hell's going on. Well, and sometimes you just got to ride it out, and that's another problem with America. And this is a little bit off topic, but just. In dealing with people that have conditions, we always expect something to be cured. We don't ever expect it to come back if it's it's not showing up now. So I'm just I'm fine. I, I'm I'm the same way with yeah. that. And, that, and that men, the mental stuff that will always come back. Yep. You're going to experience bouts of depression, bouts of sadness, bouts of anger, whatever it may be. But it's it's nothing like medically like because um, medically things can come back easily. Like diabetes is a big one. People. Yeah. Cancer. Yep. That's oh, God, that's, that's yeah. the that's a big one. I mean, big C, yeah. I mean, I I hate to say it, but it's it's really what that is, and and it it really it, it just it bothers me because I I want to make it better, and I can't immediately fix it. I know, and you and gotta like with Taz. Taz has no idea that I'm freaking feeling down or nothing. I just told her I've been telling her like I'm just tired from work, and granted, I worked seventy hours this week. But I know it's it's not from being worn out from work, and that's why I thought I was like I'm taking an extra day, and 
she has a day off, and I'm like, you know what? That's great. I'm gonna get to spend time with her. Yeah, recharge. And I'm looking forward to it because she's leaving next weekend. No, and I think kind of wrapping this up, there's two big points that I really like from this. But I will say this on this list. If you aren't in a good mental and emotional state by yourself, you are not going to be able to do these things in a relationship because these require you to set aside your self-interest, really listen to your partner, allow them to challenge you, and not let it affect you emotionally or with your sense of self-identity. And going through this list or reflecting back on any arguments you may have had recently, if you find any of these points difficult, I would definitely ask yourself, okay, why is this my sticking point? Why is this one the one that makes me uncomfortable or triggers me? And start trying to see what it is in you. Because if you're not healthy and stable, you're most most likely not going to be in a healthy and stable relationship. People attract like people. If you're unstable or you're manipulative or you're X, Y, and Z, you're probably going to be in a relationship with someone who's like that. Yeah, and then to build on that too is, is you like you were saying you attract what you attract because of what you're in, and then you also but you might see this person oh they're so much better than me, but they're still in the same situation they they just hide it better, and if you want to improve that is you do gotta look in on yourself and improve yourself and very quickly I think you will see the people that are around you are very similar to what you are until you started improving, and. Granny, you may take this. Oh, I'm losing friends. I'm losing these relationships. Yeah. You're but those are life. very good things to lose yes. because now not only you're getting rid of the things that brought you down, you're going to start getting around people who will bring you up. Yeah, and I will say this: if um, you start to work on yourself and you're in a relationship, you might not be in the relationship as you get better. There are some cases where both of you can start working together and help build each other up. And that's great, and that's beautiful. But I feel like more times than not, what happens is you just tear each other down. Yeah, I completely agree. So I, I would get comfortable in any relationship with realizing that there may be a time to end it. And as you start to try to institute these things, like being respectful, setting your boundaries, trying to argue and to work through things in a more positive way, and the other party's resisting them, and resisting that, it keeps trying to draw you back into a pattern of behavior they're more comfortable with. It's probably time to leave because that's uh, yeah, as hard as it is, it, yep. it truly is. And and that doesn't matter if you're boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be, parents or not. Sometimes no. you have to just you got to cut cut that out, and in order for you to move forward. And and that's I think a good, really good place to leave this at yeah. is being able to move forward by improving yourself and working on yourself. And that's why we're doing this. It's just, these are things we've come across. Yes, and we definitely don't want to make it sound like we've somehow figured this out. We find research from people and try to find models of positive behavior and bring them to a wider audience. But we're constantly improving. And I see things sometimes that I do that I need to change. But it's being comfortable enough with yourself and non-judgmental enough that you can institute that change. You don't Take it like it's a, a knock against your self-worth. You realize, oh, I have a pattern of behavior on how I deal with this thing that isn't good. And yeah. it's just changing it little by little. Yeah, I think we're... Yeah, yeah I think that's a good wrapping up point. Yeah, I, I feel like really good about that. Yeah. 
All right, y'all. We'll see you on the next one.